Welcome to True Spirituality Network. We are focused on spreading the gospel of God's love across the world. The Bible says, There is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out every fear. As you feed on God's love for you, allow His love to cast out every fear, worry, and anxiety. God loves you. God's people say, Amen. Amen. All right. I want to welcome everybody to True Spirituality Network again. Most especially if you're joining us for the first time, this is True Spirituality Platform. And on this platform, we preach one message we preach the gospel of Christ, good news of Christ. And what is the good news of Christ? The good news of Christ is that there is no more enmity between man and God. Because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, God is no longer angry with man. Because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, the moment man says yes to Jesus, he can now spend time with a holy God on a legal ground. So the sinful man can now sit on the same table with the only God because of what Christ has done. If you are listening to this, the good news of Christ is that God is not angry with you. God is not mad at you. Rather, God is madly in love with you. The heart of God towards you is love. God doesn't hate you. God loves you. And you have to believe and receive this truth that God actively loves you. That you are not just one random person on the surface of the earth trying to figure out life on your own. But you are God's beloved. God is actively thinking about you. God has your picture in his wallet. You are the apple of his eyes. The thought that fills his heart every morning, noon, and night. He actively loves you. And that is the God you serve. The God who cares so much about you. And that is one message you preach here in True Spirituality Network. Reminding you how you are loved by God. Reminding you how God loves you. And the reason why he sent Jesus to die is just because he loves you. And Christ, when he died for us, he died for us while we were yet sinners. Jesus did not die for us because we promised him that we would live a good life if he could die for us. He died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were in our lowest estate, Christ died for us. And that simply means when we say God loves you today, we are not saying God loves you because of the things you do or the things you didn't do. God loves you because of who you are. He doesn't love you because of your actions or your inactions. He loves you because of who you are. It has nothing to do with you, what you do or what you don't do. But it has everything to do with who you are. He chose you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God has called you, chose you, and he has ordained you, set your parts to be his own. He called you a holy nation. 
a peculiar person and the reason why god will send his only begotten son is because you're so precious to god on the cross of calvary jesus died so that today you can live on the cross of calvary jesus carried your sins so that today you are carrying the righteousness of god from the moment you believe in jesus jesus was condemned so that you never be condemned he took your place so that you can actively take his place and then by the reason of the death and the burial and the resurrection of jesus today you are justified you are purified by the blood of the lamb in the sight of god you are precious colossians chapter 1 verse 22 says christ has presented us blameless spotless and unreprovable in the sight of god so you are altogether beautiful my darling there is no flaw in you that's what song of solomon chapter 4 verse 7 says about you god loves you glory to jesus so we've been exploring our series on the book of hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 hebrews chapter 5 verse 14 so i'm just going to read and this time i'm going to read from verse 12 to verse 14 hebrews chapter 5 this is the fourth episode of the series so if you are listening to this for the first time and this is blessing you or this will bless you make sure you catch up with the past three other episodes hebrews chapter 5 from verse 12 the bible says in fact though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of god's word all over again hebrews chapter 5 from verse 12 though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truth of god's word all over again you need milk not solid food you need milk not solid food verse 13 anyone who lives on milk now it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter how many years you've been born again this is the scripture here anyone the same way the Bible says whosoever believes anyone on earth who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness if you want to know who a babe is the bible says anyone who is living on milk a baby christian is that person who is not acquainted with the teaching of righteousness and then verse 14 says but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil but the lord bless the hearing and the reading of the word for the salvation of our soul and let god's people say amen and this is very clear by the way hebrews chapter 5 from verse 12 to 14 is clear the writer of the book of hebrews was teaching or was writing to the jews or to the hebrews and then from verse 1 to verse 11 at verse 10 he stopped what he was trying to communicate and then he said i can't continue because you may not understand this and then verse 12 says because by now some of you have to be teachers but some of you still need to be taught you need to be trained the elementary teaching of 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 christ and then verse 13 says anybody who is feeding on milk is yet to understand the doctrine of righteousness a baby christian is not the person 
that got born again one week ago. I know we say that a lot. We say in such a way that, ah, no, that person has been born again for the past 20 years, so he's, he's a mother of faith. He's a hero. He's a God general. It has nothing to do with the years you've been saved. It has nothing to do with the number of years you've been saved. The Bible says anyone, verse 13, who lives on milk, being still an infant, if you live on milk, you're an infant. And what does that mean? What makes a believer an infant, a baby Christian? What makes such a believer that? Very simple. The Bible says the person is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. You know, most of the time I like listening to my content. I, I wonder the way I take time to always repeat one thing. To remind God's people that they are the righteousness of God. At times I'm like, boy, every time I want to start my teaching, I always want to lay emphasis on this. To remind people you are the righteousness of God through Christ. To remind people God loves you and he has set you apart and he has declared you holy. He has declared you righteous. And, you know, this, is, this verse clearly actually makes me understand that it is good to lay emphasis on it because anybody who doesn't understand that doctrine of righteousness is not ready for solid food. It doesn't matter how many years you've been born again. So what's the essence of preaching solid food message when the people you may be preaching to or the people that will be listening to it or it, when somebody listens to it for the first time, the person doesn't even understand the doctrine of righteousness. You know, I've preached to a level and then I've, I've had people misquote some of the things I say at times when I lay emphasis on your identity in Christ. So there are times when I say things like all of your sins are forgiven. Every of your sins, past, present, and future. By the way, I wasn't even the one that said it. The Bible says it. It is clearly the scriptures that if you're born again, every of your sins are forgiven. And if you don't understand this simple statement I just said, every of your sins, past, present, and future, if you don't understand it, you can't have a good conscience with God. You can't have peace or rest in your walk with God. You will always feel as if God is angry with you. You always feel as if God is mad at you. When something happens in your life and it doesn't go well, you feel as if maybe you deserve it because of something bad you've done in the past. You can't have a clean conscience to go talk to God to speak to God with boldness and full assurance of faith because you have sin consciousness. And the Bible doesn't want you to have sin consciousness. God wants you to have a clean conscience because the blood of Jesus has been shed once and for all. So when I lay emphasis, a lot of emphasis, which I do, on all of your sins are forgiven. If you're born again, God has forgiven your sins. You know why? Not because of you, but because of his dearly beloved son. When he died for you, he died for you while you were yet sinners. How much more now you are born again? God can never stop loving you. So God doesn't love you today because of your goodness. He loves you because of his own goodness. God doesn't love you today based on your faithfulness. He loves you based on his faithfulness. I've preached that simple message and I've still had people misquoted that simple message. And they will ask the same question they asked Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. You, you guys said you are ready for solid meat, so I'm just throwing it the way it is. They asked Paul a question in Romans 6, 1, because Paul preached a message in Romans chapter 5. Paul preached a message in Romans chapter 5, the last verse. It says, 
the last part says, where sin abounds, the grace of God superabounds. And then when the heart Paul say, oh, so the grace of God is far greater than man's sin. Man's sin, but the grace of God is far greater. That no matter how far you've gone, no matter who you are, no matter your past, no matter your life, no matter what mess you may find yourself, if you can believe in Jesus today, the grace of God can transform your life in a twinkle of an eye. It doesn't matter how bad you've lived your, your life. It doesn't matter if you're a prostitute. It doesn't matter if you're a higher killer. The grace of God flows in your direction. If you say yes to Jesus today, God is going to transform you and then you'll be born again and then your past will be washed away and then you'll become justified, purified in the sight of God and there's no more condemnation for you. So where sin abounds, the grace of God superabounds. Did you get the context? So the next thing they ask Paul is, Oh, Paul, are you not saying we, not, we cannot keep on sinning and still keep saying that now that we have grace, let it keep on abounding? And Paul answered, God forbid. Paul said, how can we, when we got born again, we died to sin? How can we, who die to sin, live therefore in it? When the believer gets born again, he is no longer alive to sin. He, now, he is now alive unto the righteousness of God. He no longer live to sin. The believer may fall into sin, but the believer will not continue in sin because that is no longer his nature. He died to sin and then he is alive unto righteousness. So they misquoted Paul. They said, oh, so Paul said we should keep sinning. In Romans chapter 3, Paul was preaching. He says where where Holy Spirit, I'm trying to remember the context, talking about Father, where, where evil abound, God can turn evil to good. That's the context. I was preaching the fact that God can turn evil around to good. And then they misquoted Paul again. Can we keep on doing evil and say the good or that we should expect more good goodness from God? I'm rephrasing all of these things. And I'm just trying to say Paul preached the goodness of God so much they misquoted him. You know why they misquoted him? Because they were not acquainted with the doctrine of righteousness yet. So somebody who doesn't understand his righteous position in Christ, when you come and preach some place in the gospel or the truth of God, so they will misquote you. They will say, oh, if you tell people that all of their sins are forgiven, if you tell them their past, present, and future sins are forgiven, they will no longer fear God. That is the next logical thing. Because again, the moment you are not acquainted with the doctrine of righteousness, you can misquote anything. But you know what Psalm 130 says? Let me attend. Please help me display Psalms 130, verse 3 and verse 4. Psalms 130. By the way, I just want to <laughs> specially appreciate our media team. When I get to preach here almost every day, almost every day, and then you see text, Bible text being displayed every time. So I just want to do shout out to our media team. They've been very consistent and yeah, there's nothing more beautiful than preaching and having and having strong people behind the scene working to make sure that every Bible text you quote is being displayed. So I just especially just want to appreciate our media team for all they do. God will specially bless you. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much. So Psalm 130. Psalms 130. Psalms 130. We're going to see verse 3. I'm going to see verse 4. 
So the moment you're not acquainted with the doctrine, the teaching of righteousness, you can't fully receive the simplicity of the gospel. Let me show you what Psalm 30 says. Psalm 30 verse 3 says, Lord, if thou, Lord, marks our iniquity, if you, Lord, marks our iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou may be feared. Did you see this in your Bible? The writer says there's forgiveness with God so that we can fear God. There is forgiveness with God and when we understand there is forgiveness with God, total forgiveness, then we can fear God. This is Psalm 130. Psalm 130 is 27 chapters after Psalm 103. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, He who forgives all your iniquity. If you come and lay emphasis on how people are totally forgiven, they will say, oh, you see, he say people can do anything they like since they are totally forgiven. No. The Bible clearly states all our sins are forgiven. So when a preacher comes to preach what the Bible says, he's not pe giving people license to do what they like. Since this is a solid food message, let me just take it a step further. People don't need your license to do whatever they like. Should I tell you something? It is the fact that people don't even know they are totally forgiven that is making them live in the kind of life they like. The moment anybody knows they are totally forgiven in Christ, they will live a life accidentally holy and pleasing to God than they will live on purpose if they don't know their sins are forgiven. It is very easy for a condemned heart, condemned soul, condemned conscious to keep going in the cycle of guilt, sin, and condemnation. The only way you can be free from condemnation, guilt, and sin is if you believe and receive the grace of God. The Bible says sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law but under the grace. You have to receive the grace of God because grace is above sin. Again, Romans chapter 5, where sin abounds, the grace of God superabounds. People don't understand what it means. People think, well, what, when you talk about grace, maybe grace is just an abstract thing that is something like, oh, Okay, now I've committed a sin, but thank God for His grace. It's not just abstract like that. The grace of God is not just waiting for you to make mistakes first and act covered. No. The grace of God is not what you only need when you make mistakes. The grace of God has appeared unto you already. And God wants you to receive it that His love, His blessing, His goodness towards you is not based on what you do, but based on who you are. The moment your heart begins to understand that God is flowing in your direction just because of who you are, effortlessly your emotions, your feelings, and your lifestyle begins to gravitate towards God. The Bible says, do not love the world. 1 John 2, 15-17. What is in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pride of the world. If any man loves the world, if any man loves any of these three things, the Bible says the love of the Father is not in him. The moment somebody doesn't know God loves him, he will start loving the things of the world. The love of the Father is not in him. That's what the Bible says. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father, the love of God. The Bible didn't say the love for the Father. No. The Bible says the love of the Father. So the person doesn't understand how well he's loved. So we need more preachers to remind us how more God loves us, how much God loves us. Because the more you understand God loves you, 
the less you love the things of the world. And that's what the Bible is talking about. These things are just simple truths in the Bible. So again, by the way, Hebrews chapter 5 says, anybody who you see, who is still a babe, who is still an infant, who is still taking milk, is that person, that believer, that can't explain what righteousness is. Any believer that thinks righteousness is when you do right, you are righteous, and then when you make mistakes, when you fall, when you commit a sin, automatically you are a sinner. They don't understand the doctrine of righteousness. Jesus did not come and shed his blood all because, and I, I know I started on this note, so that we can live right and not live wrong. The gospel is not morality. The gospel produces morality, but the gospel is about Christ. Our message as preachers is not to tell you more do's and more don'ts. It is to tell you more of what Christ has already done. To unveil unto you what has been done on your behalf. When you hear a lot of that, on your inside, you begin to discern between good and evil. Romans chapter 12 makes us understand, the more you begin to renew your mind, the more you are able to prove what is good and acceptable will of God. I am not the one to be telling you, do this, don't do that. Because again, for example, I'm in Canada. So if I tell you, well, moral conduct in terms of what to wear, what to not to wear, what to, what to hit, what not to hit. Because of my, I'm in Canada right now, my judgment of what to eat and what not to eat may not be accurate with your judgment. If I'm in the U.S., if I'm in Nigeria. So I can't tell you those don't. But you know what? I can preach the gospel of Christ to you. And then the Holy Spirit on your inside will convince you and lead you on what to eat, what not to eat, what to wear, what not to wear. And he's the best teacher. I'm not your best teacher. The Holy Spirit will lead you in the path of righteousness. I may not have answers to all of your questions. The Holy Spirit does. I may not be able to understand your point of view on some things, but the Holy Spirit does. So when I preach the gospel of Christ, the Holy Spirit bears with us in your heart, and then he tells you, leads you on what to do. So Jesus did not die so that you can just live a moral life. He came to offer you something. It's called eternal life. And we as preachers should lay emphasis on the eternal life. And not we tell you to live more moral life. You have the Holy Spirit on your inside. Who helps you to live effortlessly a life of righteousness? So the right living will be a fruit, will be a byproduct of hearing the right gospel. And what is the right gospel? Again, it's the gospel pointing you to what Christ has already done for you on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. And I remember, by the way, in the last session, I lay emphasis on Jesus' prayer in Matthew chapter 6. When he was doing the Lord's prayer, Jesus prayed the prayer in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 14. You remember the Lord's prayer? Matthew chapter 6. Let me read verse 12. I read verse 12. I read verse 14. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 12. Jesus was teaching the Lord's prayer and Jesus said, And forgive us our debt. Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our debt as we also forgive our debtors. The real version says, And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. B- verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And I clearly explained, since you guys said you are ready for solidness, that Jesus preached the law. 
what Jesus said here is called the law. Jesus was trying to preach to them that when they do good, they get good. When they do bad, they get bad. That if they are nice to people, God is nice to them. If they are not nice to people, God is not nice to them. If they forgive people, God will forgive them. If they don't forgive people, God will not forgive them. And Jesus intentionally preached the law because Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the law. He said, I have not come to demolish the law, to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. So he raised the standard of the law. And I will explain this in the course of this series. One of the series, in the course of this series, there, is, there will be a time where we will read throughout the Sermon of the Mount. From Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7. And I will clearly explain what it means when I said Jesus preached the law. Jesus told them more things to do and more things not to do. Jesus told them in the point, he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus told them in the point, he said, you have had in the time of old, that shall not commit adultery. But whosoever looked at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in the heart. And at a point, I know those guys are like, Jesus, then who can stand? Nobody's innocent. Then because if I carry my phone, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, seen my movie innocently, and an ad pop up that I didn't prepare for. And you know, one of these ads, there is always one ad that they will, be, they will tell you they are, they are um, advertising something else, and then they will show you the parts, some, some clip, I'm looking at the best word to, to some, some unreserved parts of either a male or a female that has nothing to do with advertisement. But you know, they are trying to promote what they are selling, so they make it's one of these business things. So they use things that are not even related most times to promote their content. I mean, they use sexual content in context to promote whatever they're trying to advertise. And then you, the innocent person, who didn't prepare for that, and then out of the music pop-ups that you have to now in your mind with the Word of God, even on your Instagram, at times you're on, you're on Instagram, and then out of the blues you see sponsored ad, out of the blues you go to your reel, or you go to reels, and then they... I'm just saying, Jesus, at the end of the day, Almost nobody, <laughs> almost nobody in this area will be able to say, yes, out of the blues, I've not seen on, um, a picture I didn't prepare to see. I've not seen a video I didn't prepare to see. So Jesus raised the standard of the law so much that people will come to a point where they will say, then nobody can stand. I mean, nobody can do all of these things you're saying. And then once we get to that point where we come to the end of ourselves, then Jesus can now offer us his own righteousness. Because his own righteousness is a gift. Our own righteousness is works. His righteousness is a gift. So he wants us to submit our righteousness and receive his righteousness so that we can effortlessly come boldly to the throne of grace every single time without guilty conscience. So he came to give us something greater than morality. It's called the gift of righteousness. And righteousness simply means standing right in the sight of God. So because of Jesus today, you're standing right in the sight of God. So Jesus preached this message, forgive others so that God can forgive you. If you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. But when he died, when he rose, and when he justifies you, when he justified me, the message changed. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul was writing Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. You know, there were some things Jesus said, I, I wish, I have so many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. This teaching of forgiveness, total forgiveness, is one of them. So Jesus had to preach the message you understand before he died. In, in John chapter 8, Jesus told them, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. Nobody could stay. Because when Jesus points men to their sin, or when he, when he shows them the law, 
nobody can stand nobody is justified that is why paul's message one of the reasons why they always beat paul when he goes to preach paul always used this punchline whosoever believes in jesus is justified and receive forgiveness of sins something the law of moses cannot do for you the moment the jews and the religious people hear that statement they always come for him either they should beat him or they should arrest him because paul always say jesus if you live in jesus he will do for you justify you purify you forgive all your sins something the law of moses cannot do for you and these guys they regard moses a lot moses is their number one hero <laughs> so when they hear something like this, it's an insult to them that you mean one jesus a carpenter did for us what the hero moses could not do for us exactly jesus did unto us what no man on earth could have done for us glory to god ephesians 4 32 says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other uh, just as in christ god forgave now it's in the past tense god forgave when when on the cross when did i receive it when you believed you receive forgiveness it is not you begging god for forgiveness the believer receives forgiveness when you fall when you sin you go to god to receive forgiveness not to achieve forgiveness ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 in him we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins we receive forgiveness psalm 103 verse 3 he who forgives all my sins and and heal all my diseases Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through this Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Acts of Apostles chapter 10, verse 43. Acts of Apostles chapter 10, verse 43. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. I've ever met people before that are finding it hard to forgive themselves. Is because they are yet to receive God's forgiveness. So they sin on to themselves, they, they, they self they, they, they self guilt themselves, if there's anything like that. God has forgiven you. God doesn't remember your sins. Hebrews chapter 8, from verse 10 to 12. We should, watch, we should, we should display that. Hebrews chapter 8, from verse 10 to 12. God doesn't remember your sins. Jesus preached, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive us our trespasses against us. As at that time, nobody could do that. I want to ask you personally. Do you think God should relate with you based on that? That until you forgive your spouse, until you forgive your neighbor, until you forgive everybody that offended you on your contact list, and God tells you he will not forgive you, then nobody will be forgiven. Because at one point or the other, people will get on your nerve. And it may take time for you to heal at times from people's, well, from what they do to you. But you know what? I love the new way by which God put it. Making us understand we are totally forgiven. No matter what we did to God, he forgave us and sent Jesus to die for us. So we that we have been forgiven, we can find it easy to express that forgiveness to our fellow neighbors, to our spouse, to our family members. The reason why I can forgive you today, even when you hurt me so much, <coughs> it may take time for me to forgive you, but I will forgive you, is because I've experienced the forgiveness of God. God wants us to be on that basis. If you want people to forgive us, for God to forgive them, 
then there's no good news in that. Jesus preached that because it was before his death, burial, and resurrection. So he preached the law. But under the grace of God, God extended forgiveness to us when we didn't deserve it. He forgave us not because we deserve it, but because he decided it. So that with that understanding, we can also extend that to the people around us. So forgiving people, F-O-R-G-I-V-E-N, people forgives others. We find it easy to forgive. Forgiving people forgive others. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 8 from verse 10 to 12. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. Verse 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Good news. God doesn't remember your sins. If you're born again today, God doesn't use your sin against you. God doesn't remember your sin. Can you do God a favor by not remembering your sin as well? When the believer sins, the, the, what the devil wants you to do is to always be conscious of your condemnation, of your guilt, of that sin, of how you failed God, of how you messed up. What the Holy Spirit wants you to do is to be conscious of your righteousness in Christ. How you are not defined by your failure, by your mistake, by your regret, by your past, by, your, by whatever it is, but you are defined by the word of God. What the Holy Spirit wants to do for you at that time is to present Jesus to you, to make you understand, yes, you may fall, but the righteous, when he falls, will rise again seven times. And the Holy Spirit wants to point you to Jesus, your righteousness, that sin is not your nature. You may fall into sin, but the believer does not continue in sin. The believer's nature is only alive unto righteousness, no longer to sin. So the Holy Spirit will remind you who you are in Christ, the righteousness of God, and make you understand that God has forgiven you all your sins. So when the Holy Spirit reminds you that, you receive that forgiveness. You don't achieve forgiveness. Forgiveness is a gift from God to us. So you say, Father, I thank you because my sins are forgiven. Thank you because this particular sin has been forgiven because of what Jesus has done for me. So I'm not going to condemn myself. I'm not going to hurt myself. But I'm going to live as a son of God. So I can come with full assurance of faith. And I'm not going to throw away this confidence. I'm a son. I'm not a slave. I'm not a servant. And that's how sons talk. That's how sons think. The, the enemy wants you to be conscious of your sins. And then he wants you to cry all day, cry all night, and then even the day after, you still want you to say, God, I'm sorry for yesterday. The day after, God, I'm sorry for last week. The day the week after, God, I'm sorry for two weeks ago. God, I'm sorry for one month ago. I didn't know I could do that. I can't believe I messed up. He wants you to just remain in that con self-consciousness zone. But the Holy Spirit will point you to Christ. How Christ washed away your sins. And I always jokingly tell people, you won't really... I won't really know whether you, are, whether you understand the love of God until when you fall. I won't really understand whether you really believe the grace of God until when you make mistakes. God loves you. And he said, I will remember your sins no more. So God is not the one sin hunting you. He doesn't count your sin against you. Why? Because he loves you. You should picture a God that just loves you apart from your works. Romans chapter 4 says God justifies the ungodly. Apart from their works, God credits righteousness in your account. Apart from your works, 
in terms of your works you may grow it may take time for you to renew your mind in certain area but it doesn't change your nature god loves you for who you are not what you do if god loves you for what you do then that is servant to boss relationship if god loves you for who you are that is son to father or daughter to father or friend to friend relationship glory to god let's wrap it up on this note there's this question i want to answer since this is a solid food or solid meat message and i've strongly laid emphasis on the doctrine of righteousness before i start i want to answer this question people ask people always ask this question god what is your will for my life people say to me like, lord what is your will for my life what is the will of god for your life what is the will of god for you and most times people take it to the point where they say something like god is it your will for me to be a banker is it your will for me to be a teacher is it your will for me to be a lawyer is it your will for me to be a tailor is it your will for me to be a footballer and then this question of the will of god for you has been rebranded to be called god's purpose for you and then so it another way it can be put in this way god what is your purpose for me lord what is your purpose for my life god what is your purpose for me and then when we ask that question again our expectation or the what we expect as answer is that god should tell you something like my purpose for you is to be a public speaker we we always wait for the answer in the context only in the context of career i don't know if you've noticed that we only expect answer only in the context of career and because of that so many motivational speakers have been able to successfully <laughs> hear me out before you come for me i've been able to successfully made a lot of money on this topic called god's purpose for you so they will charge you to tell you purpose now motivational speakers cannot tell you god's purpose for you the difference between a motivational speaker and a bible teacher or a gospel preacher is that our message is different we preach christ they preach any other thing they preach motivation they encourage you but you know real encouragement is in christ our encouragement our comforts and edification we do that when we prophesy to you motivational speakers can say believe in yourself huh? believe in your dream huh i know you have a dream huh they point you to yourself there's not too, en- too much encouragement in self most of the time when you look at yourself you see your weakness you see your mistakes even if you see your achievement it leads to pride so there's really not too much good when we look at ourselves but when we look, look at christ the author and the finisher of our faith he brings rest and when we see the things he has done for us on the cross of calvary he brings peace so i will always point you to christ preferably but anyway so motivational speakers get to make a lot of money by trying to make so many events around purpose your purpose and then they will say you have to understand the five w who am i where am i from um there's this other one they, they say what am i doing here blah 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 there's just this three y of 
or three W of, or five W. The truth of the matter is, no motivational speaker can tell you who you are. Because again, you are not defined by biology, you are not defined by chemistry, you are not defined by physics, you are not defined by psychology, you are not a sanguine, you are not a choleric, you are not a melancholy, you are not defined by all of those character traits. You are defined by the word of God. Only the person who created you can give you an accurate description about your life. And the person who created you in this world wrote some things about you. So if you want to discover who you are for a start, you don't need motivation and speaker to tell you. You need the word of God. If you want to know more about yourself, go check the scripture. If you want to build confidence, go check the scripture. There are words that build your confidence. I always tell ladies this, that what somebody says about you doesn't matter. There's the word of God for you, even as a lady. If you don't know what that scripture says about you, you'll be insecure about your body. But if you know Song of Solomon chapter 4, verse 7, it says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. That is one of the strongest words of affirmation you can ever get. Altogether beautiful. You look at the mirror and then you read that scripture. I am altogether beautiful. There is no flaw in me. It doesn't matter what anybody says. With men, they will tell you, You are too tall, you are too short, you are too fat, you are too thin. So you can't live your life based on opinion of men that fluctuates. Live your life based on the word of God that remains the same. So motivational speakers can't tell you who you are. They can tell you, I know you have a dream. Another huh? 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 kind of. <laughs> only the word of God, only the scripture tells you who you are. So when we talk about the question of purpose, question of the will of God, let someone who has a solid understanding of the word of God explain to you what God's will for you is. Because nobody can just by psychology or biology or any kind of logic outside Christology tells you the real you or what God's purpose for your life is. So sorry to say, no motivational speakers can tell you God's will for you. They may tell you what they think you should be doing. They will say, if you're sanguine, you can do more public speaking, you are more extrovert. It's not really, really always the same. Always the way, most times. So what is God's will for us? I will show you what the scripture says about this thing. The will of God. What is the will of God? And then when you find this answer today, I hope it brings rest to your soul. What is God's will for, for your life? There are so many people today on the mountain, they are praying these prayer points. God, what is your will for my life? I hope they come across this video someday. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they come across this video someday. So let us see the Bible. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to get verse 39 and verse 40. One after the other. John chapter 6 specifically addresses this. John 6 39. Jesus speaking here. Verse 39 says, And this is the will, or better still, and this is the father's will i know i have niv in front of me um i'm trying to see what version the media team has okay i think media team should have kjv so my, my version says let me read the one uh, media team just portray and this is the will of him who sent me that i shall lose none of all those he has given me but raise them up at the last day let me read another version. It says, and this is the Father's will, which 
had sent me that all of you which he has given me i shall lose nothing but should raise it up on the last day another version to says and this is the will of god that i shall lose nothing no, I, that i shall lose none among you but who raised you up on the last day the will of god for you is that jesus should lose none among the flock that means when you got born again you are not the one holding on to god christ is the one holding on to you you are not the author or the finisher of your faith christ is i've had believers pray prayer points like lord i have started well may i end well you didn't start anything christ begun the good works on your inside he was the one that is that walked in you to will and to do and he's still working in you to will and to do so you didn't start anything christ started the work in you so the emphasis should not go back to you ending well the person who started the work on your inside is the author you are not the finisher he is still the finisher of your faith so you are not the one holding on to him don't say christ i don't want to i don't want to fall i want to hold on to you to the very end he is the one holding on to you and jesus just said the will of god is that he loses that he does not lose you he said that i shall lose none of the sheep god has committed to me but i will raise them up at the last day so that is the will of god for jesus that he loses none of us let's see john chapter 6 verse 40. it it, it, it clearly explains this again in further context john 6 40 that is just a verse after this it says and this is the will of him that sent me so the will of god that sent christ that everyone now this has to do with you now everyone which sees the son and believe on him may have everlasting life and i raise him up in the last days let me read the version portrayed by the media team for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and i raise him up in the last day so the will of god for you is that when you see jesus and you believe in him you have everlasting life but yinka this does not relate to my career i was thinking you will answer this question to give an answer to what i should be doing with my life right now because the job i am doing right now i don't really like it i was thinking you would tell me god's will for me is to be a lawyer so i can feel bad so that i can feel bad about the job i'm doing that uh, huh? maybe the reason why i'm not feeling good about this job is because this is not the will of god for me christ is the will of god for you christ is god's purpose for you your job your career can change it doesn't change who you are in christ and let me lay emphasis on this to really set some of you free some of you are like oh i think will of god for me is to do a particular job no christ is the will of god for you and when you are born again guess what the good news is you are actively in the will of god even if you are doing a job you don't like right now time and season in this time and season it still works with the will of god moses was given back to but based on the condition and the situation that happened when he was given back to the mother wrapped him and put him beside the river or on the riverside that was not the best thing to do but she had no choice it still went in line with the will of god for moses joseph was sold 
that wasn't supposed to happen to him that was betrayal at the highest order but you know what god still worked with whatsoever happened in his life all things the bible says work together for your good or better still all things work together for good for those that love god if they send if, if that's the best context it doesn't matter where you work what you do what country you are you are actively in the will of god if you're born again because christ is god's purpose for you christ is god's will for you and we just saw it in john 6 40 that whosoever sees the son and believed you have everlasting life do you believe in christ do you believe in jesus then you have everlasting life and that is the will of god for you what people are calling purpose that motivational speakers are using to make a lot of money check the do the things you love and love the things you do so will that satisfy your soul because the last time i checked it doesn't matter whether you do the things you love whether you love the things you do only jesus can satisfy your soul i've had friends who try to get more degrees because they've gotten enough they feel as if they, do, they don't have the fulfillment yet they've gotten so many money they've made a lot of money they don't have that satisfaction yet i have a friend who has tried so many relationships i was having a chat with him recently and then i said bro when are you getting married he said in the next seven years i said what will you do from now to that time he said you will keep you <laughs> will keep trying <laughs> trying to date so many people to see if you can find true love i said bro you missed the point you can't find true love in a woman you find it in christ <laughs> that was a jackpot you can't find true love in a woman you only find it in christ i know some of these netflix movies have portrayed to you that tr- there can be true love lovers for it. is because the world is trying to redefine love real love is in christ in fact first john 4 19 says we love because he loved us first so until you understand god's love the love of man is it has a lot of flaw my point is this so you can't say god what is your will what is we will the will of god for you is christ and when you understand it is christ in christ you live and you have your being and then in christ you are being led by the spirit of god so every decision you make in christ works together for your good oh boy Yinka, the bible says in the book of jeremiah god told jeremiah before i formed in your mother's womb i have ordained you to be a prophet that is god's will for jeremiah to be a prophet so do you think god told him he'll be a prophet so that god can give him career confidence and stability or god told him he has told him to be a prophet so that he can propagate the gospel do you think god telling jeremiah will be a prophet is so that god can make him have a good cv and say no nah, i'm a prophet so that he can say well i was born a prophet or to is it for his own personal interest or god to fulfill god's plan jeremiah being a prophet is was more in the context of propagating the good news the gospel to propagate god's counsel not to make him have this cv or a good resume i've been ordained a prophet before i was born that's not what he's talking about so it's in the it's not in the context of a good career stability is in the context of i know you and this is who you are i've chosen you i've called you again does that mean i'm disregarding you having a good career you missed the whole point that's not what i'm talking about 
and make you understand no matter where you walk if you have the best of job it doesn't define you christ is what defines you and if you're born again you are actively in the will of god and the irony is if you're not born again and it doesn't matter where you walk even if you have what you call the best of job the best of money you are still not in the will of god you may be doing what you love but if you are not born again you are not in the will of god you love what you do but if you're not born again you're not in the will of god but guess what you may not do what you love you may not love what you do but if you are born again believe in jesus you are actively in the will of god because christ is god's will for you the will of god for you is to see jesus and believe in him every other things we are lying now let me say this when this world comes to an end what will matter is not your career what will matter is not your job god is it your will for me to marry what will matter will not be your relationship status when this world comes to an end what will matter will be your relationship with jesus are you born again or not if you believe in jesus then you fulfilled god's will for you and her and guess what jesus when he appears in the sky is coming for you that has fulfilled and have done the will of god if you're yet to be born again if you don't receive jesus it doesn't matter where you walk it doesn't matter what you have it doesn't matter whether you are married it doesn't matter whether you are single if you don't have jesus when this world comes to an end when jesus appears in the sky he's not coming for you because you haven't done the will of god you've not believed in the son so this question of god what is your will for my life what is the, your purpose christ is god's purpose for your life when you have christ you are actively in the will of god so just tell the holy spirit to lead you and keep leading you because it doesn't matter where you are you may be where you don't want to be right now but you know what it doesn't matter you are still actively in the will of god rejoice rejoice for god is still with you his eyes is on you and wherever you are right now is part of the process because all things are working together for your good joseph found himself in egypt as a refugee and you may find yourself in a country you didn't prepare for as an international student daniel found himself in babylon as an international student esther found herself in in i i can't remember the other place right now in the king's place she was a work permit esther was on work permit daniel was on international study permit and then joseph was on refugee if you are an immigrant outside the country you will fall under one of these categories either on work permit either on refugee or either on, inter- on study permit I'm, I'm on study permit so i'm the daniel of my generation just kidding <laughs> i'm studying in canada that's what i simply mean and but my point is this so no matter what status you find yourself you are not alone god is with you god is for you god worked with joseph refugee status because it doesn't matter where he is right now as long as he's loved by god as long as he, he, he is born again as long as he fears god god can work with whatever situation he found himself so even when they sold him as a slave now to sell somebody as a slave in that time by the way they have to literally strip you naked because the person who wants to buy you have to be sure you don't have any kind of disease so they will be bidding for slave twenty dollar usually it's not even dollar it's always in cents because they are slave twenty cents fifty cents going as i said fifty cents and then they will start they sell slaves the same way they bid for wristwatch they bid for necklace and then they choose joseph joseph had nothing he doesn't have anything of course that's why he's a refugee in the first place so they brought him in as a refugee and even as a refugee they made him a slave so they, when they made him a slave out of every other slave because the favor of god was on him and the favor of god cannot be worked for 
it is to be received. When you got born again, automatically the favor of God began to hunt you down. David in the book of Psalm 23, verse 6, he said, Surely, I'm in the convelakai, surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow me. If you're a born again believer and you are not so conscious of the favor of God hunting you down, if you think you have to earn God's favor, again, you are still a babe. You don't understand the doctrine of righteousness. You don't understand that God's favor is on you because of who you are, not because of what you do. God's love is on you today, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. You are the righteousness of God, the beloved of God, the favored of God. And guess what? If the favor of God is upon you, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where your job is. It doesn't matter if you're doing customer care service. It doesn't matter if you work in a grocery store. If the favor of God is on you, if Christ is in you, is the hope of your glory. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. Life is in time and season. God has plans for your life. This is why the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of your glory. That it doesn't matter where you are, there is always hope for you. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, that these three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. And when you are in Christ, which is the will of God, there is always hope for you. And then you can trust God, which is faith. And then you can know he loves you. Glory to Jesus. So the Bible makes us understand that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. When the other person they are afraid, you are not afraid because you are in the will of God. Who is the will of God? Christ is the will of God. Are you born again? Yes, then you are actively in the will of God. Are you yet to be born again? Then believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved and your household, all your sins will be forgiven. And automatically, God declares you righteous in his sight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we pray in the spirit for the next two minutes? Glory to Jesus. The favor of the Lord is upon you. And you will see this favor manifest even before the end of this week. You will see the tangible favor of God manifest. Because God is with you. God is for you. God is not against you. He will never leave nor forsake you. And you are actively in the will of God. So rest. Do not be in distress. Bring your soul to a place of rest. Because God is forever with you. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for connecting from any part of the world you're joining us from. It's, it's been an awesome time. I feel so blessed. Such, such a time of refreshing. So by the way, you can catch up with all of our past podcasts online for free. This is episode 4 of this series. We've had three episodes in the past, and we have over 600 content again online. If you're joining for the first time, and you really, really want to fall in love with your Bible, this content will really bless you. And you can start from any place in the Bible. If you want to start from the book of Genesis, I preached a message on each chapter of the book of, message, of, of Genesis to Genesis chapter 13. If You can just click on the link in my bow, or the link on, uh, if you're connecting anyway, just click on the link in my bow. It will show you all the book of Genesis I've preached on. If you want to start from the book of Revelation, I've preached on the old book chapters of Revelation. Click on the link in bow. It will show you all the chapters I've preached on. If you want to start from the book of John, I've preached on the whole chapters of the book of John. Each chapter. 
so as you just listen to the podcast read your bible and then it will bless you so much where do you want to start your bible from if you're just even getting born again for the first time or if you just want to fall in love radically tell me any scripture book of job i preached on it before if you have any scripture you even want me to preach on any chapters of the bible any book of the bible you love so much just send us a dm we we'll really really love to walk directly with you the lord is my shepherd i have all that i need and what i'm doing right now begin to speak to you in psalms because ephesians chapter 5 says speaking to one another in in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody to god in your heart and i just want you to know just like god says in psalm 23 that he is your shepherd and he's always with you even when you don't feel it so you have all that you need you may not see because your sight is limited but if you focus on this world you realize you have all that you need long before you were born his supply is far greater than whatever you ever need on earth if he could give you jesus he will give you every other thing you would ever need long before you get to that season he has made provisions available for you and he wants you to know this don't focus on your bank account to define who you are if he could give you jesus he will give you everything god giving us jesus is the proof that he has done for you much more than he will ever do for you he has given you much more than you ever need so just focus on him because you have all that you need and he has made you to lie down in greener pastures in green pastures and when he wants you to lie down he wants you to rest and not stress because he's always working most times you don't feel it so you get worried you get anxious but he says in his word that he has made you to lie down and if he has made you to lie down then rest stop trying to figure out things on your own just allow god to do the things he's doing in your life and he leads you beside the still water where everything is cool calm and collected he restores your soul if your heart is troubled before you came here the lord has restored your soul in the mighty name of jesus oh glory to god and though you walk through the valley of shadow of death you don't have to be afraid because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world glory to god oh and surely god's goodness god's favor god's unfailing love is what is running after you village people are not chasing you <laughs> it's the goodness of god that is hunting you down it is pursuing you all the days of your life and you rest in the house of the lord forever and ever in jesus name amen If you have been blessed by this message, we invite you to partner with us to send the gospel of God's love to all nations. Send us an email on truespiritualitynetwork at gmail.com. You can also follow us on all social media platforms, True Spirituality Network on both Facebook and Instagram, T-Spirituality on Telegram, and Akimika on YouTube. So catch up with all our podcasts, search for Akimika on all major platforms, including Spotify, audio mark and anchor as you feed on god's love for you allow his love to cast out every fear and remember it's not about you it's all about jesus mm-hmm.